0: Hey everybody, thanks for joining me for episode three. We're gonna jump into something here that is kind of the basis of what I feel the kingdom of God is and and what it means to actually seek God, to seek his face, to, to want to come into an understanding of God that is possible for humanity, meaning that you know we have an idea of who God is. Some of us, it it comes from television or from books or from the idea that even our understanding of Zeus, you know, a man with a beard sitting on a, sitting on a throne and looking down at humanity and, and is, is uh, mad at them or, you know, trying to judge them. And, and we have these preconceptions and these, these notions of who God is. But if our desire is to know the Father, to know the Christ for who they are, truly who they are, that is what David calls the hill of the Lord, climbing the hill of the Lord. The kingdom of God is like a mountain and there's different mountains in the Bible, but the one that I'm talking about is Isaiah talks about Mount Zion. It's the dwelling place of God. So if you can imagine that there's a mountain and, and everything about it is the kingdom of God, is righteousness and peace and joy, God invites us up that mountain. See, in the Old Testament, they didn't come to Mount Zion. They came to Mount Sinai. And God even told them, you know, if you touch this mountain, you're going to die. But we're in a new day, a new age that Jesus Christ provided a way for us to have relationship with God. And that is the invitation up the mountain that God gives us. Now, the analogy I'm going to use today is the fact that there is a mountain that is God. and, And if you can imagine that there's a village and around the mountain is civilization, that for a time... There wasn't really anybody that even thought of looking up at the mountain. (laughs) You know, we were busy living our lives down in this valley that we're building farms, we're building um, civilization, we're building these things. And we don't actually even give too much thought to the mountain. We know it's there, but we don't really even recognize it. That is a lot with what the Old Testament was. It was we us living our lives. And yes, there's God on the mountain, but you know, he's holy. We are not, he was scary. <laughs> Actually, that that's the truth. Back in, in the Old Testament times, God showed himself in fearful ways where there was fire, where there was thunder and lightning and dark clouds. And it was not a... Um, a, just a peaceful, hi, here I am. It was the awe of God. It was the fear of the Lord that, that he came in. But when Christ came, the situation changed and there is an invitation up the mountainside. When our eyes are open to God through our salvation, it is the essence that we become aware of of our God. We become aware that there is a mountain that we realize that the rain that we are experiencing comes from that mountain. See, that is like being aware of the blessings of God. You're not aware of the blessings of God. You are still blessed. You just don't know where it's coming from. You see, the the Bible says that God causes the rain to fall on the just and on the unjust. So he waters our crops in the valley no matter what but we have a thankful heart who knows that the rain comes from God, that the blessings come from God. But here's the thing, all of the blessings, all of the things that God gives us have a purpose. See, it isn't just for us to have a good life and for our crops to grow and for us to be thankful. It is for us to see that, there is a mountain and that there is an invitation and that we look up the mountain and our heart tells us that our desire is to see God's face, is to see him. See, salvation isn't the conclusion to that quest. It is that our eyes have been opened to the fact that there is an invitation of relationship you see, the fact that God redeemed us and gave us the righteousness of Christ is the reason why we're even able to set our foot upon the mountain. The righteousness that God gives us isn't for its own purpose, meaning that it just doesn't exist to exist. It exists for a reason, and this is one of the main reasons, is that we can enter the presence of God. We can look and see his holy mountain and set our foot upon it for the purpose of drawing near to him. You see, the two things in our lives that we have to understand is one, that yes, when I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I am his righteousness. He gives me his righteousness. But at the same time, we have to realize that righteousness and holiness are different, are two different things. Righteousness is a legal standing. It's as if you're in a court of law and you either have legal standings to be there or you don't. And that is what righteousness is that Christ gives us. See, it is not our own righteousness. It is Christ. So the fact that we have that righteousness allows us, it is the legal right for us to come before the Father. It's the legal right for us to put our foot on the mountain and to climb it. Holiness, though, isn't the same thing. Holiness is a term of relationship. See, you can be righteous— and still be unholy. You see, think of holiness as a term between a husband and wife, ones that love each other and that put each other above all else. Meaning that for the husband, the wife is the only woman for him. And for the wife, the husband is the only one for her and in her heart, she's given herself to that that he has become holy unto her and she has become holy unto him. It's that relationship term. you see, God is holy and we don't think of that as a relationship term. We think of that in the same way we think of the Pope. The Pope is holy because the position of of Popehood is something so far above us and we, you know, he's so much better than us, and <laughs> that isn't what holiness is. See, there's another word called sanctification, and I know I'm using Christianese words here, but bear with me. Sanctification, what is that? It is the idea that if you have, say, 10 glasses of water sitting on a table, and you say, okay, Nine of these are for common use. Nine of these glasses of water, anyone can drink from these. Anyone can have these. But this one glass of water, I'm going to set it aside over here, and this is only for me. No one else can drink from this glass of water. I've taken this glass of water, and I've sanctified it, which means I've separated it unto myself, And I've made it holy. So the act of sanctification is the idea that something is set apart unto holiness, meaning that now it is for the purpose of that one individual alone. And you see, that is our holiness to God. It is the idea that where righteousness is our standing before God, it's our legal standing, but the idea of holiness is when we leave all else behind and we position ourselves as Christ and Christ alone. There's a scripture in Luke 14 26 that says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That's that's pretty harsh. <laughs> you know, what he's not saying there is that he wants us to hate everybody. It's not about hating in the idea of the emotion of it. But what it is, is the setting aside. It is the holiness. That is what he's saying here. See, he's saying that, You may have common relationship with all of these people, but will you sanctify yourself unto me and become holy unto me? See, there's the idea in salvation where we are a family, where we love one another, where we are a part of each other's lives. But when it comes to our relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, this isn't a group effort. (laughs) It is the idea that he is the chief cornerstone and he wants to be the one that you measure against, not anybody else, not your pastor, not your church, not even Christianity and the Bible. He alone wants to be the one that you measure yourself against. And that is the essence of holiness, that you've set apart everything in your life for him and you've given up everything for him. So here is what the mountain of the Lord is. When you have a desire to see God's face and there is nothing, there's not hell or high water that will stop you from climbing that mountain and you've determined in your heart that you want to see God. This is the mountain of the Lord that as you climb, see, so you have a backpack on, you've carried everything with you of your life and that's good. You have everything that you are and everything of relationships and everything of your bad habits and your good habits and all of that. Okay. And as you start climbing, The higher you get on this mountain, the more time you spend just seeking after God and saying, God, I will not stop climbing until you show yourself to me. And as you climb, you start noticing that your backpack is getting heavier and heavier, that there are things In your backpack that God will actually, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So this isn't something that we even um, mentally do. This is something that God will bring to your attention that he, he comes and says, Kevin, do you really need that in your backpack? You know, if your heart is to climb up here and see my face, do you think that that is beneficial to your purpose and your, and your goal? And see, he lets you make that decision. He, you, you, you pull something out of your backpack. It might be sin or it might be how you spend your time. It might be something good. You see the, the scripture we read there, your father, brother, sister, mother, those aren't bad things. But what he's doing is he's saying, is this helping you to reach your goal of seeing me? And as we climb, we have to make that decision. And you see, as we start making that decision and we say, you know what, this is not helping me at all. And we start emptying our backpack and all of a sudden it starts to get lighter. And then the higher we go again, the more that God will come and say, Hey, now look, look in that one pouch in your backpack. Do you really need that to come up to see me? Do you really need that, or is that weighing you down in your purpose and in your in your goal of holiness? You see, the whole purpose in 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 the in the journey, the climb of the mountain, is that God is bringing you into holiness. This is His work. This is the the cooperation between man and God, where the Spirit, His desire, what what is He called? He's called the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Do we understand that one of his main functions or one of his one of his heart's desires is to bring us to Jesus Christ is to bring us into holiness it's that when we try and become holy ourselves just by seeing things in our lives and trying to make it happen it is it is self righteousness it is something where Well, you could call it (laughs) self-holiness. It's our effort. But you see, there's a strength that God gives you. When your purpose is to climb the hill of the Lord, you're not focused on these things at all. You know in your heart, you're climbing that mountain. If if you have to drag these things with you, that's what you're going to do. There's setbacks on the mountain. There are times, and I've experienced them, where you feel like you've hit a rock slide. You, you're, it's almost like your foot went somewhere wrong and all of a sudden you start an avalanche and you feel like you're back at the bottom of the mountain. You are discouraged. It's almost like the enemy is sitting over you and laughing. And, and what on earth do you think you're doing? You think you can go up there? Now, the question is going to be, Have you determined in your heart, have you set your face to that mountain and said, I am going up there no matter what? Because that's going to determine what you do at that, that point in time. If you have stumbled and fell, God does not judge you. In fact, the spirit is there to encourage you and say, come on, Get up. It's time to climb. (laughs) So that is the one thing that we have to watch for. It isn't the fact that, yes, we better watch our, our, our foot and where we put our feet, but you are going to fall. I'm going to fall. We're all going to fall. It's not a matter of that. It's a matter of what are we going to do? Are we going to stay at the bottom and, and sulk about it? Or are we going to brush ourselves up and keep going? Another thing that I've experienced, and I believe that a lot of others have experienced, is that when you're climbing that hill, there are times where you will come upon a wellspring of water. And God sets time of refreshing during this journey. Every day isn't as if you're skipping and hopping and that you're really happy about everything you're not you're you're some days this is it's very challenging but there are times when you reach a place on that mountain where there's a refreshing where there's God gives you something of himself it's like there's a a vein of gold that you find in the side of that mountain and I personally believe that while it's a good thing it's also there as a test i believe that yes god wants everybody to climb that mountain but he also wants to say okay is this what you want do you want gold do you want riches of the kingdom will you stop here and 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 try and dig out all this gold? Or are you going to keep coming up to see me? You see, there have been men in the past that have climbed this hill and that have found these veins of gold. And unfortunately, they've stopped there and they've built their house because there's new revelation and there's new understanding. And they stop and they create a denomination around it and they just stay there. And that might seem harsh, but it's the truth. And that is the challenge for us. The blessings of God are awesome, they're wonderful, but they are not God's face, they are not Him. He wants to know do you want my blessings or do you want me? And while, yes, we stay there for a time and we replenish our, our heart and we recover and and get ourselves back into condition to climb, our hearts need to be set on getting to the top of this mountain. And again, the further we climb up, the more God challenges us, the more the Spirit is taking things and saying, Do you even need the backpack? (laughs) Do you even need this? Because it's like the oxygen starts to to deplete up there. It's almost like it's hard to climb and it has to come to a point where we realize that to come face to face with God, not only do I need to lose the backpack, but we also (laughs) lose our clothing where it's us standing naked before God. And I'm not talking physically. I'm talking that everything in our lives, he knows us and we are laid bare before him as a empty vessel stripped of everything that would stand between us and God and everything that, that would captivate our heart and our attention and while yes the journey up the mountain has been for us to learn to love god a bigger part of the holiness is letting go of everything and letting god prepare us for what comes next <laughs> because there this is a journey this isn't the hill of the lord isn't the end goal. It's a preparation for what God is doing in us. And I'm not going to go into my journey right now, but I will at some point of, of what I've experienced of the mountain and what I found for me at the top. And I don't, I have no idea whether it's the same for everybody or, or, or what, but here is one of the purposes of climbing the hill of the Lord and it was through the eyes of David. You see, Psalm 24, I'm going to start in verse uh, three, says, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. You see, that was David's understanding of climbing the hill of the Lord. What does it actually take to even start that? <laughs> I want to share something that during this process while I was while I was climbing, you know, my hill of the Lord, I was praying for a friend one time. He was going through some tough things and I just wanted to pray for him and I felt like I was coming before the mercy seat of Christ and asking Christ for mercy for him. And the funny thing is, when I was praying for him, it felt like my prayers were hitting the ceiling. It was, it was, there's, there's a, a, a saying that it felt like it was hitting brass. And for two days, I, I just said, God, well, what, what is this? Why? Why are my prayers feel like they're bouncing off the ceiling? And I heard God say, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And that was it. And I, I was like, Okay. And I just kept hearing it the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And it just kept going through my mind for two or three days straight. I that's all that I got from God. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. In fact, I started to just speak it out loud and I I actually uh, put it into a song and and I'm not going to sing it for you. <laughs> um but I and I I after about the third day I said, "God, what on earth? What is this? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I get that. But what does that have to do with me?" And That's when he spoke and he said to me, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. When you have judgment against anybody else or judgment against anything, you are judging me. The earth is mine and everything in it. You do not know my ways. You do not know what it is that I will do. And when you judge how can you come to my mercy seat and ask for mercy? <laughs> it it kind of sat me on my behind, you know, and after I repented and <laughs> I understood, okay, God, you know, the earth is yours. <laughs> I'll leave that up to you. That is when he brought me to Psalms 24 and I was, I was amazed when I read it because What did it say? It says in starting in verse one, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters who may ascend the mountain of the Lord goes on to say, right? And here's the thing, and I'm not going to get into it in this podcast. I'll do it in another one. But that verse one and two, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That is the basis for even being able to see that there is a mountain. You do not see the mountain until you let God be God and let him be the judge of this earth. That's why it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It is not something you drop after you get it. Okay, I got wisdom. Now I now I no longer fear the Lord. No, 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 no. The fear of the Lord is a part of the foundation of a life that is built on Christ. There is another scripture, Isaiah 11, and verse two starts. It talks about the seven spirits of God, and it says, The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. And whether it's talking about Christ, I kind of feel that it's actually talking about us, but let's say that it's talking about Christ. (laughs) It says, The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. That is a very significant statement See, the fear of the Lord is the only one there that it mentions twice. It is the only one that it actually makes note of and says that he will delight in the fear of the Lord. I'm going to have to wait for another podcast to really speak about the fear of the Lord. But what I want you to understand is that the fear of the Lord and leaving judgment in God's hands is the only way to actually even see that mountain for us to climb. I'm going to keep going in, in, um, uh, the Psalms 24 here. And it it says, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, their savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him who seek your face, God of Jacob. The amplified version in verse six says, this is the generation of those who diligently seek him and require him as their greatest need, who seek your face, even as did Jacob. That is powerful. (laughs) Verse six there. Read that. Read that. If you can find the amplified version online, Read that because that is the essence of what's climbing the hill of the Lord. Now, here is the purpose of climbing the hill of the Lord. Verse seven says, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up ancient doors that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up ancient doors that the king of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. See the whole essence and the analogy that David used and that I've used here to of climbing the hill of the Lord is the idea that our hearts are full of things (laughs) that our hearts are full of what we hold dear to us. And what we don't really want in our lives. And this is the picture I have. I see the heart as a room. Okay. The things that we hold in our heart fill that room. And in that room are two doors. There's the door that we open and that we um, choose what goes into our heart and what we hold in our heart. But on the other side of the room, there's another door and it is the doorway to heaven. It is the doorway to the kingdom of heaven. See, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is inside of you. There's a scripture. uh, It's uh, Proverbs 4.23 and it says, watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. You see, there's a door that we control. And then there's a door that is actually the portal or gateway, whatever you want to call it, into heaven, to the kingdom of heaven. You see, when we enter salvation, it is like that doorway gets unsealed. It's like it, it doesn't come flying open. It just comes unsealed. We become aware of it. We become aware of the fact that they're, is a God who loves us, that there is, he floods us from that place, but it is only open a crack. What Jesus said, that you must hate your father, brother, sister, mother, if you want to be his disciple, and what David said about climbing the hill of the Lord and seeking God's face, even as Jacob did, and what I was saying about the backpack and what comes out of it, really Is all talking about the pursuit of holiness in our lives, that we give up things, that we take things from that room and take them out of that room, that we go through the process that isn't fun, but it's incredible at the same time. But we go through that process until we remove everything from the room, from everything, from our heart. Well, why? Well, the last verses in Psalm 24, it says, Lift up your head, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. You see, think of the doorway to the kingdom of God in your heart as opening inward to your heart. So when the things in our hearts are there, it stops that doorway from opening. It, 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 the door actually hits against those things. When we remove everything from our heart, those doors have room to fully open. And that to me is the whole essence of Psalm 24. It's the essence of what God showed me for the hill of the Lord. It's the essence of what Christ was saying. Gee, it's not fun But I tell you, what is the purpose of this? It is that just as Christ walked on this earth as a doorway and a portal, a gateway from heaven, that is how the kingdom of God penetrates this earth is through the hearts of men and women. It is that when we are so captivated in holiness to our God, we allow Him to use us as vessels that for Him to flow through. And that is what holiness is. That is the purpose of climbing the mountain of the Lord. And that is even the purpose and/or one of the purposes of righteousness to even allow us to see that mountain. There's a lot that I've said a lot we've gone over I think this one's about 35 minutes and I'm sorry for uh, giving a lot Um, but I tell you there is so much that God is wanting to do in our lives this is an overview and I'm going to get pretty specific with some of these things because one of the things is that if you don't feel like climbing the mountain of the Lord that's okay (laughs) the desire is from God. The desire isn't even yours. You see, John the Baptist said, when he comes speaking of Jesus, when he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy spirit and with fire. See the fire is the desire in our deepest understanding of knowing our God in the deepest way possible while we live on this earth well that's all for today i hope that you got something from that to chew on and to pray about so until next time i hope you have a great day and thanks for coming along for the ride